Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports soccer podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports, joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster. On today's episode, we're continuing our NWSL 2022 team-by-team previews, and today we're going to take a deep dive into the Chicago Red Stars, but first... A quick reminder to follow us on Twitter for all breaking news at Attacking Third. If you're listening to this as a podcast, please give us a five-star rating and review. It takes just a second, and it really helps us out. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, the five-star rating and review page, and on Spotify right on the Attacking Third page. Go ahead and give us those five stars and help us out. Lisa, we're going to do it. We've arrived. We, we, we're going to chat about Chicago Red Stars. How are you doing today? I'm good. I love doing these previews, but I've I've come to the conclusion and the realization doing these previews that my favorite part is actually talking to the players, which I know that about myself. I love to do interviews and I love to talk to people and ask them questions and, and hear their answers and find out stories from them. So that is hands down my favorite part that we get to do player interviews along with our previews. It just gives a different perspective on the team and, and the preview for that team that we're we're diving into and for Chicago we do have another preview coming up at the end of this episode it'll be in the second half that I'm really excited about uh but that's my favorite part of this but Sandra how are you doing how's it going how is life listen I'm doing okay the month of February has brought snow to the city of Chicago it's been coming in and out in waves uh you know so it's not it's not February for me if it's not like gray and cold and kind of has some type of snow or sleet combination if i'm being quite honest so just and and you guys just got hit pretty hard yeah i know it's like come on now so it just feels it just felt right i think it just felt right for us to say hey let's let's do the chicago red stars preview while it's like still you know this type of uh, weather going on hopefully it's not uh, an omen of, of of any sort uh but i'm i'm excited to, to to jump in to all of this with you me too me too i hate to brag about this but um subtle philadelphia brag we're like 60 right now it's beautiful i love yes. this the other day uh we had our like 50 degree day in february so of course like once that happens it's like boom just to remind you, you're in February <laughs> and then it yeah. comes and then all this other like garbage comes the, from this guy. The it's cold so is so much colder after you have the 50, 60 degree day that the winds hit you. They hit you hard. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The winds hit you. They hit you 
hard. Let's you know what? Let's transition with with that. <laughs> talking talking about Chicago Red Stars. Let's get into uh, a team overview real quick. Maybe sort of recap uh, uh, what happened in in the off season for for this team as we break down a, a preseason roster eventually. For right now, Chicago Red Stars have an acting head coach. Uh, been fluctuating between the terminology between interim and acting, and right now is acting head coach Rade uh, Taniskovic. He's, uh, he's been with the team for three seasons as a goalkeeper coach, uh, but he stepped in as acting head coach uh, during the offseason, really. Uh, had to navigate the team through uh, some events whether it was like a expansion draft that they ended up trading themselves out of and then an eventual 2021 nwsl draft uh the chicago red stars had that on their radar during their offseason lisa saying hey we're gonna continue uh, a, a head coaching search and they gave a timeline on themselves for january and then they gave another update saying that actually this is still ongoing and we're going to move forward for right now while we continue a search with the acting coaching staff in place, which includes uh, Teniskovic and includes former Red Star Julian Stitch and uh, now uh, additional assistant uh, coach in uh, Fabrice Gatra as well. Lots of different coaching changes. And it's important to note that, through all of this coaching change in Chicago, it was initially announced in December that they would have a head coach by the end of January and the start of February preseason. Uh, that time frame has come and gone. The The front office did put out a statement saying that they we were in a search and they were looking to find someone that was qualified enough to lead this club and, and that the players deserved. Um, so, they start their preseason with just an acting head coach with, I know that as players, they go in and they're excited to play and they just want to get better. And it, it doesn't necessarily matter, but as like a culture of a club and a culture of a team laying that foundation, it's really tricky not to have a set head coach at the start of preseason. And even if uh, Rada steps in there and becomes the full-time head coach, which I don't really think that's going to happen as he's a goalkeeper coach. He's not a full head coach. It's a very different thing to be specialized in a certain position versus uh, overseeing a head coach or even a first assistant. Um, so that changes the mindset a little bit and, and the tone and the vibe of the club and trainings and preseason almost a bit like disorganized and I know they have a lot going on, but really that's how it seems as, as an outsider looking in and, and that perspective that there's a lot of turmoil happening there and no one is really saying, okay, I'm going to step in and I'm going to take control and take charge of this situation. Yeah. I mean, and that goes alongside with, you know, making any note, other notable hires, you know, during the, the off season, which in light of not having a, an actual new official head coach to, to put into place uh, while preseason kicked off, they did announce uh, the hiring of an associate general manager in former Chicago Red Stars player, Michelle Lom Nikki. And they talked about her experiences as well. She was with the team during uh, some of this off season where it saw a lot of player movement or where they had to navigate uh, a double expansion draft and an NWSL draft. And this is really uh, the first of its kind type of position uh, for this team. Uh, before in the past uh, that the role of a uh, full general manager was kind of a dual title alongside uh, the, the head coaching title. And for mm -hmm. a long time, the decade that Chicago Red Stars have been in existence in NWSL, uh, those responsibilities typically fell on the former head coach uh, in, in Rory Dames as GM and, and coach of, of the club. So sort of having
being uh, an additional component to go along with uh, with the front office, with the administrative level that's in place right now with this coaching staff to sort of have another outlet and a former player at that to sort of be able to help be this almost kind of buffer, right, mm-hmm. between these these deals or, or for the for the players who are currently in place um, as the team tries to to really move forward because this is this is a club who in their offseason, Lisa, let's be frank, we've had to come on this show and talk about a lot of negative headlines around this club. Yes, we have. And and uh, sticking with on the pitch, I mean, you have to look at how they did in, in 2021. Um, they were runners up in the NWSL championship. They, they lost to Washington Spirit in that final championship game, but they finished the regular season fourth. So solidifying their spot in the playoffs as, as it was an expanded playoff system uh, this year in 2021 for the first time, six teams making it and Chicago solidifying that for what almost the seventh postseason in a row for Chicago. So they have that winning mentality and they have that uh, culture there that they get to the playoffs and they make it as far as they can. And, and honestly, dagger in the heart that they haven't won a championship yet because they have had a lot of postseason success making it into the playoffs. But I think adding former players into the front office and, and kind of shifting around some of their responsibilities will help even things out on the pitch as it's a trickle down effect, but it's not going to happen overnight. So 2021, they, they finished the regular season fourth, made it all the way to the NWSL championship before falling to Washington spirit. And then in our way, way too early power rankings that we did in December, right at the end of the 2021 season, we put Chicago finishing number eight. So out of playoff contention, um, this was before a lot of moves were made. I think we did this maybe knowing that one or two moves had already been happened. And at this point, former head coach Rory Danes had resigned. So we gave them a number eight. We'll see if that holds for 2022 as as we really dive deeper into all of the changes that Chicago made in the offseason. Well, we got to talk about maybe their their transfer window, right? Uh, in light of a double expansion draft. In terms of Breakout roster signings for this team. There is not a lot that they can hang their head on in terms of what was arguably the most active offseason in NWSL history. So for Chicago, uh, based on their offseason, they're going to see a lot of new faces, right, in terms of acquisitions. And in terms of uh, an acquisition that didn't come via the draft, their only acquisition that player acquisition they can point to is in a former player that requested to come back to the Chicago Red Stars and forward Yuki Nagasato, the Japanese international for personal reasons too. Yeah, for personal reasons. She wanted to come for back personal to reasons. Yeah. Let's, let's acknowledge that the celebration of uh, an engagement. Yes. Right? So but it wasn't because she wanted to necessarily be with the Chicago Red Stars. It was like, I'm starting a life. I'm engaged. I want to be where my fiance is and my family is in Chicago. You yeah. seem important to have all the details, Sandra. I mean, that's important to to bring up when we're looking at how uh, or the or the lack uh, how there's a lack of player acquisition for this team in this uh, in this off season, you know. So uh, Nagasato, a former Red Star player who had spent time with the club since 2017, uh, since she was a player that they acquired then, right? In in terms of an international signing and then departing a little bit to, to racing Louisville FC for their inaugural season and now coming back uh, to to the Red Stars. So uh, not a lot there in terms of what we're looking at what could be their biggest off-season acquisition or their biggest roster 
signing in uh, in the offseason heading into to 2022. They've got a number of uh, draft picks that will, you know, kind of be in the mix, whether it's, uh, you know, Brianna Alger, Haley Van Fossen, Channing Foster, Joe Aguilera, kind of stemming from the, the 2021 draft. Uh, Ava, Ava Cook, Samantha Fisher, Sarah Griffin, Kayla McCann, uh, Jada Hilton-Pelea coming in from uh, the 2022 draft. So a lot more new faces, right, when we're looking at um, offseason additions versus maybe experienced players or, uh, you know, other international players in terms of uh, the biggest losses. Before we get into that, there's like a little window where Chicago did some re-signings, Lisa. It's like, it's not necessarily going out and getting player acquisitions, but it is saying, Hey, these are players that we want to make sure are that they're retained with the Chicago Red Stars. And they did it by issuing contracts to four United States women's uh, national team caliber players. They did. It's it's not necessarily that they got them, but they're keeping them for a little bit longer. So I guess congratulations. And it's congrats to these players and, and for everything they've done. Uh, defender Tierna Davidson, defender Casey Kruger, goalkeeper Alyssa Nair, forward Mallory Pugh. They all signed multi-year contracts to sh- stay in Chicago, stay with the Red Stars, and continue playing. Um, having uh, all of these players, I mean, four of them right there, but a number of players for Chicago that do compete at the national team level, it also kind of shines a light onto our international spotlight, which I know we usually talk about later in, in these previews, but knowing that there are a lot of U.S. women's national team players on this roster means that they're missing for a chunk of the season. And we saw that happen um, in 2021. I mean, Julie Ertz was injured for a majority of the season. Uh, She she played and she was also with the Olympics. Um, Also, Alyssa Nair, she got injured in the Olympics, which then took her out for the rest of the Chicago season. So it does play a trickle-down effect factor. But they did resign these players. I don't know if it counts as a new signing and a new acquisition when we kind of hang our hat on that one, uh, but they are back and they're staying for multi-year contracts in Chicago, which I think is really good if you're a fan of Chicago. You like to see that these names are sticking around for a little bit longer. Silver linings, I guess, before we get into probably their biggest losses, right, which is sort of felt like something that we were keeping track of more uh, actively than perhaps biggest additions in terms of the biggest losses for this team over the course of the offseason. They said uh, farewell to defender Sarah Gordon at Angel City, along with Julie Ertz as well. Nikki Stanton uh, was uh, sent off in a trade to O.O. Rain, and then players Mackenzie Doniak, Kelsey Turnbow, and 2021 draft pick Kelsey uh, Turnbow uh, and Katie Johnson were sent to San Diego Wave as well. So we're talking a number of players here from players who have been with the team for X amount of years, right? It, it varies some players with the team since 2014, 2016, uh, you know, to what was considered really Lisa, perhaps a future piece, right. Uh, For, for Mm -hmm. Chicago, but some, some big losses here for you. Who, who stands out the most in terms of the biggest losses for Chicago this off season? These are a lot of losses. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, I don't think Chicago won this offseason by any means. They, they did not gain a lot of players. They re-signed some of their consistent ones, but they also lost really, really big pieces in their playing style. I mean, a, a lot of people, I think when you glance at this, will will make a huge argument for Julie Ertz, uh, even Sarah Gordon. And But 
for me, when I look at this list of players lost, forward Katie Johnson heading to San Diego Wave is the biggest one for Chicago. Um, she wasn't always a starter. She wasn't getting on the stat sheet every single game. She wasn't scoring the most goals for this team. But Katie Johnson was a very consistent player in the front line for Chicago. She was uh, almost that role player. So if if they needed her to come in off the bench and add that spark at a different dimension, she could also really complement the play of Mallory Pugh up top, Kalia Watt up top, and just complement them, whether it was playing on the left side, playing on the right side, playing that center striker, and and just doing uh, as a role player, she played her role very, very well. And when you look at Chicago's roster, especially in 2021, they didn't have a lot of depth at their forward position. Uh, Rather, if they did on the roster, they didn't have a lot of experienced depth and depth that you could – put on the field, start them, and they would make an impact. And Katie Johnson was an impact player in any role that she played. She would contribute. She would hold her own. She was a consistent player. She stayed relatively healthy throughout the season, which is a huge factor. So no, she's maybe not the biggest loss that would step out to a lot of people right off the bat when they read this list. But for me, looking at the ups and downs of a team throughout the entirety of a really long season, Katie Johnson is a depth role player that will be a huge, huge loss for Chicago in 2022. Now, Sandra, for you, is there uh, what stands out to you in these losses? Because there were a lot of losses for Chicago. Yeah, I think you can honestly go through each of these players who made their departure and maybe make a case, right, for each one. I'm, I'm hearing you loud and clear on your case for, for Katie Johnson. I would agree with you and and that the, the forward line had some, you know, was maybe thin even in 2021, but it's we know for sure it's going to be that in, in 2022. Uh, and to lose Katie Johnson is, is going to be significant uh, for this team that is kind of be, going to be struggling maybe for, for forward depth. But I'm going to be going on the defensive uh, line of things here uh, for for Sarah Gordon to to Angel City. I think an important thing to note is a lot of these moves uh, that we saw in the departures. Uh, the Red Stars uh, made it a point to emphasize that a lot of these were to help accommodate player requests, right? Which I think you can maybe look at one way or the other. You could say, oh, Chicago is uh, trying to be bold and brave and and honor player requests to move. And the other side of that is why are players coming to you and asking to leave, right? So there's like a double-edged sword here, right? Uh, Especially when you're looking, like me, at the defensive line of things in somebody like Sarah Gordon to Angel City. While, yes, there's a number of defenders on to the Chicago Red Stars team, so you could probably slot in and have, uh, you know, add the depth uh, that uh, a player like, like Gordon will leave behind in terms of a hole. That's not necessarily true when we're looking at things kind of holistically. And that's how I'm looking at things. When we're looking at this offseason that this team had, which they had a ton of, you know, negative, uh, you know, headlines around the team in regards to their former head coach. When the, you know, the the almost looks like flood of <laughs> the flooding through the gates for, for players leaving, asking for, you know, requests to, to leave the teams and, you know, citing different reasons. That signals to me that whatever happens in 2022, there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. Now, whether they want to call it a rebuild, whether they want to call it a retool, whether they want to call it, you know, a a new era, what 
ever, you're going to have to, uh, you know, sort of reestablish yourself, not just on the pitch, but off of it as well. So when you're talking about losses, I don't think we could just talk about losses uh, positionally. I think we have to talk about that in terms of club culture and well. And when we're looking at a player like Sarah Gordon's absence of this team, this is a player that did so much for this team on the pitch, picking up Iron Woman, right, coming off of that iconic 2021 season. So it's not just doing it on the pitch for this team, but it was yeah. off of the pitch as well. So she brought a lot in the locker room in terms of the community of Chicago native. So I'm, I'm with you in terms of the two biggest ones. A lot of people might say uh, a Julie Ertz, right. In a big uh, heavyweight player like that, or maybe even a future piece in Turnbo. but I'm with you in terms of uh, NWSL experience for Katie Johnson and on and off the pitch experience for, for Sarah Gordon, for these, uh, for this team. Uh, in terms of the preseason roster, Lisa, let's take a look at the preseason roster that Chicago put out and maybe go through some things here, right? Because there's some edits and adjustments that we are going to have to make along the way for goalkeepers. They have Alyssa Nair, Cassie Miller, Emily Boyd, and Bridget Skiva. They have for defenders 13, listing uh, Brianna oh. Alger, Tanner Davidson, Jada Hilton-Palea, Kelsey, uh, Casey Kruger, excuse me, Amanda Kowalski, McKenna McCannis, Tana Malazzo, Zoe Morse, Kayla Sharples, Bianca St. George's, Aaron Wright, Haley Van Fossen, and Tierney Wiltshire. For the midfielders, listing eight with Danny Colaprico, Vanessa DiBernardo, Samantha Fisher, Morgan Gatra, Kayla McKeon, Regan Stagelager, Ella Stevens, Sarah Waldmore. And then for forwards, they have 12 listed with Jill Aguilera, Ava Cook, Channing Foster, Jasmine Grant, Sarah Griffith, Madison Haley, Rachel Hill, Sarah Luber, Alyssa Mott, Yuki Nagasato, Mallory Pugh, and Kalia why so a lengthy preseason roster right with let's be frank some questionable uh inclusions on a lot of new names right nine players that were either drafted in 2021 or 2022 which that's a lot of young players i mean we we previewed racing lova already and we talked about their young roster and how they're bringing a lot of new players but they're also a second year expansion side and and they I don't know. It's just different when you have a club like Chicago that is established, that's been around, it's been throughout the the league, it's been here throughout the years, it's been a consistent playoff contender throughout the years to now kind of have so many young new names on this roster and a lot of uh, unsuspecting preseason roster signings and names listed here. Yeah. I mean, just, just going through them um... – you could sort of have like whenever these preseason rosters get put out, there's always, you know, the acronym list, the key that goes to it. So it's like these, it's like NRI is like a non-roster invitee, you know, uh, uh, NYR is not yet reported to camp, you know, loan means loan, right. Et cetera, et cetera. So within this, um, for example, a, a player like Casey Kruger, one of these players that we're talking about was one of the, the key re-signings, right, for this club. Mm-hmm. Someone who announced uh, at the, you know, sort of beginning stages of the offseason her uh, her pregnancy with her husband. So they're expecting uh, a new addition to their family. So a player who's, let's be real, largely going to be out or absent for the majority of the 2022 season. So that's a big defensive piece there, uh, you know, going through even uh, just this, this forward line while they have a ton of players listed. Uh, Madison Haley uh, was their top pick in the 2021 draft a not yet rostered uh, player. And, uh, and then Kalia Watt, not, another not yet rostered player. Um, some 
extra reporting done on these two players specifically uh, from Claire Watkins, you know, confirming that Kalia Watt did in fact tear her ACL in the semifinal against Portland Thorns. So she will be out. She's currently in the process of rehabbing on her own in her own market. Uh, and then a player like Madison Haley, who out of Stanford, this club was very high on, is not yet report, uh, reported either, but they do not have any additional information as to the reasons why. So whether it's injury related or otherwise, but this is a player who is not as of this time uh, currently involved in camps, but they listed her as part of the roster. So a lot of things within that um, players who are on loan, we talked a little bit about, like you said, Sarah Luber uh, on loan. And this goes a little bit in line with what you were talking about with Katie Johnson to San Diego wave in terms of, yeah. in terms of the depth of this forward line. Like what is this forward line even going to look like right in uh, 2022, Lisa? And how many of these players have experience, uh, right? Like, that's the other thing. I mean, adding Yuki Nagasato is huge for this Chicago team because she has experience. She has a lot of um, experience at the international level, Japanese international, played in World Cups, won a lot at that level. She also has a lot of experience professionally in the NWSL, and she has experience with Chicago Red Stars, which gives her that leg up. She's also like a fan favorite. So fans love her and fans want to see her. She's good in the locker room. She's a crowd pleaser. She's a great personality and she can score goals when she's on the pitch. So adding her back to the roster, that's a huge help in this front line. But as you mentioned, Madison Haley not being available as of yet, Kalia Watt out for injury this year, it makes it a thinner. So losing Katie Johnson is a really huge loss. But when you look at the, Listed 12 forwards, now down to 10 with the loss of Haley and Watt. Um, how many of them played last year for this team? Rachel Hill, Sarah Lubert, but on loan now, so not really. Alyssa Motts, she did get some time, and then Mallory Pugh. But not not a lot there, not a lot of depth by any means. So when I do look at this front line, it, it's almost like the same old story for Chicago. They have to just rely on their midfield to get them through day in and day out, um, which will be interesting to kind of see as they approach 2022 and, and what they look to roll out formation and starting lineup wise in the start of the Challenge Cup. You know, I'm... Um... I think it's important to take a look at the rosters that we've been doing uh, for all of these previews and maybe sort of be able to pinpoint any holes or anything that are within that. But something else that we've been doing is we've been sort of pitching around the idea of like who can be in a starting 11, right? Based on all of the names that we see on a roster, because that's a part of the fun with preseason rosters is sometimes they could be really, really lengthy. But even with all of the new faces that are in this, I think you can go across and say, depending on what's, you know, the timeline of the season, because there are so many United States women's national team players who might be in and out, right, for World Cup qualifying uh, matches that maybe come opening day, if everybody's healthy, you could still maybe kind of point out some players and say, these are likely locks, right, for starting 11 uh, type of lineups. Someone like an Alyssa Nair, if everything's going great with her rehab, will likely be a net. And if not, honestly, Cassie Miller uh, ended up sort of taking over the reins uh, last mm -hmm. year when she uh, went out. Uh, you know, someone like a Tierna Davidson, uh, you know, obviously Aaron Wright, uh, you know, in terms of the, the back line and being able to uh, provide, uh, you know, leadership there. Midfielders as well. You know, you still have the the staple, right, of Colaprico, DiBernardo, uh, Gatra. And I think maybe when we're looking at teams, we've been saying this for a couple teams already on previews. Perhaps the, the biggest opportunity there is 
on that forward line. So Mm -hmm. maybe an ideal starting 11 isn't one that we can nail down completely with 11 full players, but we can definitely talk about some areas that we're interested in. In terms of a young prospect to take a look at for this team moving forward, of which there are many, right, Lisa? I think for young prospects to keep an eye on for Chicago Red Stars could be a player in Jill Aguilera. This is a Mm -hmm. player that actually... Uh, didn't declare for the draft uh, coming out of Arizona representing with the, the Wildcats, uh, a, a program that, uh, you know, was able to, to make it into the, you know, the, the, the college, the college cup, uh, you know, uh, rounds and, and really kind of make names for themselves. But this was someone who got picked off off of waivers essentially didn't ascent, actually declare for the draft. So this can almost perhaps be a little bit of a steal, right, for for the Chicago Red Stars. And, I mean, when we're looking positionally, going to be competing for one of these forward positions, right? So uh, in terms of her getting into the mix and her trying to, you know, uh, make a name for herself, work alongside and stand out to the current coaching staff in place, this is maybe a player who could potentially, at the very least, maybe crack uh, the roster for this team. I'm definitely looking at, at Jill Aguilera. Also, I'm looking at 2022 draft picks, Samantha Fisher, Sammy Fisher out of Notre Dame. She was the 19th overall pick for Chicago this offseason. Um, California native, but she's in the Midwest at Notre Dame and now heading to Chicago. She's, although a midfielder and, and the midfield for Chicago has been pretty much solidified over the last few years. I think this is a player that we could also see on the front line because she does have a tendency to score a lot of goals. She's a very creative player, likes the ball at her feet. Um, She scored 29 goals and and 15 assists during her collegiate career. So this is a player that can maybe step into that role. I, I don't know how much time she'll get this season specifically, but there are injuries that happen and and she is a player in Fisher that could be that next man up mentality player that could slot in. And if she really tries to learn everything she can from DiBernardo, Colaprico, Sarah Waldmo even, and, and Morgan Gattral in the midfield, it could be a, a future player for Chicago because that's a lot of times what the Red Stars like to do, bring in a young player, mold them and train them into being one of the, the – regulars in the middle of the park for Chicago. So I'm taking a look at Sammy Fisher as, as a young player as well, but there's a lot of experienced players as well on this one. It's almost like there's experience and then young players and the middle is a little, it's a little bit of a mix, which makes it hard to almost talk about like a breakout player. But when you look at all of the experience that Chicago has, who needs to step up and who needs to really take this team on their shoulders and, and be the one to pull it all together. You know, I mean, there's a, there's a number of players that you could look at as that sort of uh, essential experienced player for the Red Stars because they've got a core of them, who, again, who have still been with the team anywhere from, you know, 2015, 2016 uh, draft classes. But I'm going to go with Aaron Wright on this one. You know, this is a player who is coming off of a very strong 2021 season maybe under the radar a little bit quite frankly in light of you know having somebody like a Sarah Gordon go out there and have the season that she had with Chicago uh, picking up Iron Woman for them but Aaron Wright is a player for the wrestlers that we had seen in the past really predominantly be at that outside position in recent seasons be utilized as kind of a utility player and play all over the pitch at times was pushed up higher across the forward line. 
the part of the club after 2019 to, uh, you know, have her uh, pregnancy and then welcome a new ba- a baby into the mix and welcoming baby Grady into her life uh, and came back and had to work her way back uh, from, you know, having giving birth and, and recovering back to the lifestyle of a pro athlete and really went ahead and just went out there and did what she did in 2021. We're talking about all the way through almost very nearly Lisa. I don't know if you recall, but almost getting an equalizer in that uh, yeah. final against the spirit off the post. Right. So just someone who has been that player for the red stars that they can kind of point to and say, yes, like you've been here, you know what it is, what it's about. Um, and she can sort of give that, uh, you know, leadership. She can sort of give that experience to quite frankly, maybe anyone positionally having had the experience. Yes. Predominantly on the defensive side of things, yeah. but really all over the pitch uh, for, for Chicago. So if I'm looking for someone to maybe be that kind of uh, essential experience player for the red stars, I'm looking at Aaron, Wright. Me too. Aaron, Wright Is the great, great pick for that, especially in losing uh, Sarah Gordon in the back line. Just everything that you mentioned all over the pitch, she can provide in the locker room. She can provide um, it. Definitely someone that the team needs to lead on, lean on. And I think that Aaron Wright needs to take that mindset of I'm going to be a leader and I'm going to step up vocally um, on the pitch, off the pitch, in in the training room and everything like that. She needs to grab that, take it and and just own her leadership ability. With that in combination, maybe for Chicago, I'm, I'm getting more amped about them for this year the more we talk about them. Because I'm not going to lie, when I, I looked at their offseason trades and everything, I wasn't that excited about what the prospects were to come. I don't think that's uh, that's unfair. I think a lot of people are maybe looking at Chicago uh, in, in a similar lens, right? Coming off of an offseason that they did, going into preseason what are they going to bring, right? International spotlight, maybe a little bit different from some other teams, but they are going to be missing United States national team players. There's already players involved in She Believes Cup uh, right now with someone like Alyssa Nair, Turner Davidson, uh, Morgan Gatra, and Mallory Pugh. And as the year continues to roll out, obviously we'll keep an eye on that. If those players are still constantly called in to part of national team camps, that's going to impact Chicago mm-hmm. and their season, which – Honestly, Lisa, perhaps leads us to our biggest burning question. Entering the 2022 season for Chicago Red Stars, can Chicago continue their legacy as the league continues to grow? Can this team keep up with the league as it continues to expand? Will this be the first year Chicago doesn't make the playoffs in seven or in seven straight years? So maybe a number of questions, right? Instead of just one burning question, can can the Red Stars keep up as the, the league continues? to evolve. I think this question is crucial for this team because uh, they have been a powerhouse. I mean, not the burning powerhouse. I think when you look back historically, a lot of players or a lot of fans would say Portland Thorns stands out as a powerhouse, Um, but Chicago has always been there. They've always been a contender. They've been competent. They've always been really tough to break down defensively. They can always score goals upon you. So, Can they continue to do that and match the competition in the league as it grows, as teams get better, as there's more competition? Um, I I think it's going to be hard for them. They cannot do the same thing that they've done last five or six seasons and expect to make the playoffs. They have to change it up. They have to do different things. They have to maybe rely on some younger players. They have to have bigger rotations in their substitutions that are happening during play. A lot of times in the past, Chicago has been almost stingy with their substitutions. They get players and they play 80 
90 minutes games and that's it for the season. And that's why they are so good because they can mesh so well together. But when you don't have that depth, especially in the front line, providing different looks in the attack for your team, you lose a little bit of your gumption against opponents and, and your oomph that you really need, especially as the league continues to grow. It's actually a shorter season in 2022 than it was just looking at 2021, but there's more competition. So one home game, one away game. And when you add in two clubs like San Diego Wave FC and Angel City that are doing everything in their power, especially to build a powerhouse team and Chicago's just kind of sitting there looking to do the same old thing that they've done in the past, it's not going to be enough. So I want to see something different from Chicago so they can keep up and stay with the times and keep evolving as one of the top clubs in this league, which maybe leads us to our projected finish for 2022, Sandra. I mean, we listed them at eight back in December, way back when our way too early power rankings after we talk through this, we look at their roster, we dive deep, we find the holes and we poke at them. We look at the young players, the experienced players. What are you thinking for their finish in 2022? Listen, I don't know how we can go off of what we just went through and maybe change that up. I think it's very, you know, it's it's very obvious and perhaps maybe a little bit of recency bias in that, you know, going through their offseason, you're like, they're not going to go anywhere and to be quite frank, there was a little bit of that narrative around the team during 2021. Uh, we heard a lot about this team in 2021, seeing it on people's reactions to the team and how they play. Like, oh, this team is boring or they're they're not the same team anymore or what are they going to do? And then all of a sudden they found themselves in another championship final uh, towards the end, just based off of pure and sheer belief in, in each other and just getting it done on the pitch. So is it? maybe a little unfair that you and I are going to come on here and say, maybe, <laughs> maybe the, the 2021 runners up are going to have this massive fall from grace, but that's part of the job. Right. So I think to keep them honest and to keep it Chicago, you got to work, work, work until you, until you, until you earn. So to keep them honest, I think we are going to keep them in the seven to, to nine range. I think an ambitious uh, finish for them in light of an expanded league would maybe be a low playoff spot, maybe a, maybe a five yeah. or six. You know? So maybe they still surprise folks, uh, you know, or still stay stay in the mix. Uh, but I think uh, keeping them where we had them, I think, is, is fair for right now. Would love to be proven wrong, though. I don't think that's unfair to say. I mean, it, and frankly, like, I would not be surprised if they make the playoffs again in 2022. But I think it's going to be a lot harder than it has been in the past for Chicago. So I give them a low playoff spot as well. Maybe five, six, maybe six, seven, eight, keeping them in that range. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. They do have experienced players, which helps. But with CONCACAFW championship happening in the summer and them losing a lot of their United States women's national team players, that's yep. going to hurt them throughout the yep. year. That's why they've got to have a deep bench. I mean, it's, it's full circle. Everything, all the points I'm making honestly connect to each other. So we'll see. Let's keep them honest. Seven, eight, ninth spot, right out of playoff range for now. It's a, it's a new era for NWSL. We'll see how it shakes out for Chicago and if they could keep up. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Chicago Red Stars 2022 preview. We've got full team by team previews for all 12 clubs in the NWSL. Coming up, stay tuned for more. Drop us your thoughts about Chicago Red Stars on Twitter at Attacking Third or in the comments if you subscribe to YouTube at YouTube.com slash Attacking Third. But don't go anywhere. 
We have an exclusive interview with Chicago's midfielder, Daniel Colaprico, right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome back to Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. We are so pleased to have player interviews alongside our team-by-team previews. And today we have a special interview segment with Danny Colaprico, midfielder for the Chicago Red Stars. And first time on the show, welcome to Attacking Third, Danny. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Uh, we're hyped to chat with you. I mean, look, I'm I'm a local kid at this point. I think it's safe to say you're a local kid. I'm always excited to have Chicago Red Stars players on the show with us. Let's start with maybe some fun non-soccer things. Was there any like fun non-soccer stuff that you got to do in the offseason before going into preseason? Oh, um, so I feel like when the off season comes, I'm just like absolutely exhausted. And all I want to do is lay on the couch Whereas some people are like, I need, I got to go on all these trips, vacay. I'm like, okay, see ya. Like, I'm like, if I did that, I feel like I would still be like burnout. So I just love going home and spending time with my family. So I spent most of it in New Jersey, um, with my mom, my brother, and some of my friends that are still back at home, which is really nice just because it's nice to wake up and lay on the couch and have my mom be like, Oh, what do you want for dinner? Or like <laughs> coffee. And I'm like, yeah. Yes. I'm so like, Sandra, you, things. <laughs> so. Sandra, you called her a local Chicago kid, but she came back to the East coast woo, hey. woo, over, over that, the off season. That. I love it. Got, I'm torn. Got, I'm torn. Got nothing but respect for the Jersey kid who called <laughs> Chicago second home. All right. Listen, what's your favorite, what's your uh, favorite thing that you test your mom to cook for you when you're back home? Oh, her meatballs. And that sounds like such like an Italian, of course, like, okay, you're Italian, you like her meatballs, but like (laughs) these meatballs are to die for. And honestly, like I, I definitely eat way too much when I'm home. It was funny because I was just eating pasta and people were like, oh, like, don't you need to start like getting ready for preseason? I'm like, okay. Like, I'm most, like, don't be commenting on my stuff. Tell yeah. me to get out of my bowl, man. Yeah, I'm like, I get to enjoy some food too. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, speaking of preseason, right? Chicago's preseason is officially underway. It's uh, it's not your first uh, Chicago preseason though. You've been with the team since you were drafted in 2015. How are, uh, how are the first few weeks going so far? Yeah, they're good. I mean, I feel like, um, Although our off season was relatively short, I feel like we all came back and we were ready to go and just like we wanted to get started. And I feel like we've kind of had a bit of a different preseason um, without a head coach. Um, So that's been a little bit different, but it's been nice to have Rade and Fabrice and Stitch step up to the plate and they've been awesome the first few weeks. So like 
we're just, we're just happy to be there and we're excited to, you know, continue. And obviously we're all looking forward to that first game because we do have such a long preseason. So, um, but yeah, it's been good. Before we dive into the coaches and, and how they're handling everything and you as players, there's were a lot of changes in the offseason. And Chicago said goodbye to some pretty big players and also welcomed a lot, but trading away Sarah Gordon, midfielder Julie Ertz, and you are a veteran of this Chicago Red Stars team. Um, and there are a lot of new faces that were brought in for this preseason. How is it navigating preseason with so many new players? Yeah, it's definitely different. I feel like all my years here, um, our past coach had tried to keep the core of our group together. And I feel like he did a very good job of that. So we all kind of knew each other's tendencies on the field. We had good chemistry on and off the field. And we just knew a lot about each other, which helped us perform well on the field. So obviously, when we gave away so many players, and then we have a lot of new faces now and a lot of youth, it's a little bit different vibe at um, within our team, but I think it's good for us because I feel like we needed kind of a fresh start and we needed, you know, the energy that the younger players bring and the different qualities that they bring to the table. So um, I think we definitely lose a bit of experience with the players that we've given away. Um, but at the same time, we've, we've acquired some really good players. And um, I mean, I've been watching the younger players train for three weeks now and I'm, quite impressed with some of the things that they can do on the ball and, you know, some, some of the energy that they bring and they can, they can fly around the field. Like some of us older players may not be able to. So um, it's pretty cool to see it all come together. Obviously with so many new faces, it's hard to, you know, gel right away, but I feel like as the weeks and the days have gone on um, we've only grown to know each other more and more on the field. So it's been fun to see, and it's definitely more exciting than it maybe has been in past years where we're kind of like, Oh, same team. Hey guys. <laughs> like, I don't know. So it is exciting, but um, at the same time, it'll definitely, we'll definitely come across some obstacles along the way, but nothing that I don't think we can figure out. Nice. Good, good energy. The the club, the club did kick off its preseason with, with an acting head coach, like you mentioned, right. Instead of a, an official head coach in place, you know, uh, Rade Teneskovic is, is taking place of, of an acting head coach right now, while the, the club says that they're still going through a head coaching search. How does something like that maybe impact the, the start of the year for, for players? Yeah, I feel like um, at the very beginning of preseason, we were all a bit concerned about how this is going to play out. And I feel like as the week's gone on, we kind of came together as group, as players, and we were like, hey, let's just, you know, compete do what we need to do on the field. Let them, let the Red Stars organization figure out what our head coach situation is going to be, but we need to focus on being the best versions of ourselves on the field and, you know, doing what Roddy is asking of us because he's in charge now. And I feel like we all respect Roddy and I feel like he's done a great job. I feel like he's a bit like stressed because he has a lot to take on and he probably wasn't expecting this role, but um, at the same time, he's done a great job at communicating with players, getting feedback and staying in tune with how we feel as players and, you know, some of the things that we want to see on the field or what we want to work on as a group. So um, it's been nice to have that um, path of communication between us and, and the coaches, because I feel like at the end of the day, we're the players and we're the ones on the field. And if we're feeling a certain way, like we we want to, you know, have that communication with our coach and um, have him respect our ideas and us respect his. So it's been great in that sense. Um, but obviously at the same time, it is a little bit, um, a little bit, I don't know. <laughs> it makes us a little hesitant because we don't have a head coach, but um, at the end of the day, I think they're doing a great job and um, we're really impressed with how they've handled things throughout the first few weeks. 
you know, there's there's been a lot of that that conversation, that narrative that there's been an attempt to try to have continued dialogue, like with the the players, current current players, and even former players at the Red Stars level. And something that the franchise has talked a little bit about, like in this continued ongoing search, is that uh, when it comes to tabbing an eventual next head coach, that they're trying to get players involved in that. Are, are you one of these players that's involved in that? Or uh, are you just sort of getting the updates as they come? Or are you just sort of like, let me leave that to y'all? Like, well, what's the energy there? Yeah, so there's, um, I think there's 12 players in the committee um, in looking for a new coach. Um, I personally opted out of it. I feel like it was going to be a, a big time commitment. And I had a lot of things that I was dealing with at home that I didn't want to commit to something that I wouldn't be able to fully be invested in. And I, with the 12 players that are in the group, I do believe in their values and what they want in a head coach. So I, I decided personally to stay away from it, but, um, obviously we talk with the players in the committee and they give us some feedback as much as they can in terms of like the options and stuff. So, um, it's been nice to have that line of communication also, um, and have players on the committee, you know, asking the, um, candidates what, what they, what they see on the field and how they feel about the game and how they want to play and all the different questions that maybe the coaches don't, the coaches now don't realize are important because it's obviously a little bit different being a player. So it's been nice having them on the committee and, you know, keeping us in the loop as much as they can. So, um, but yeah, so I opted out of it. Um, it is a big time commitment. They're always on calls and um, it's great to have them uh, be a part of it. For you as a veteran, you understand what um, maybe a normal preseason looks like, um, but now without having a full-time head coach and just having an acting head coach, it is a little bit of that hesitancy and unknown. So when you are with these younger players and these rookies, um, what's your advice to them as they start this first season with Chicago? Yeah. So I feel like my advice is them is just to kind of settle into the group as fast as they can. Um, I'd say the first week was a little bit chaos um, on the field. So I feel like they bring a good sense of energy, but at the same time, it's kind of finding that energy, but at the same time, being calm on the ball, taking care of the ball and those things. So um, that would be my advice to them. I feel like it's, it's hard being a veteran without a head coach and knowing what the coach wants um, to be able to, you know, help them so much on the field. But I feel like these first few, few weeks, we've kind of just focused on the, the, basic principles of attacking and defending and common themes that run throughout our, our team. So it's been nice to be able to, you know, communicate those things to them. And it's, it's honestly nice in the sense that they can catch on to those ideas before a new head coach comes in and kind of might change some things. So um, at the same time, I feel like the rookies have been great. They, they want to learn. They're, you know, super excited about the opportunity and they're always asking questions. And I feel like that's great to have in a group because I mean, when I, when I was a rookie, I was, a, I was scared to ask questions. I was like, okay. I was like, hi, like I didn't speak. So <laughs> I like love when I love when they ask questions, they're willing to learn, they want to get better and they want to make an impact on this team, which is great to have. And it, it only brings the com uh, competitive level up. So it's, it'll be good for us. Although it's hard to kind of assess how the team is going to look throughout this season without permanent head coaches and kind of what the goals are as a group, you can still do that individually. So for you, as you look ahead to 2022 season, uh, being with Chicago, knowing who you are as a player, what personal goals are you setting for yourself for this year? 
Yeah, I feel like um, that's definitely something I've thought about a lot in the off season. I feel like last year I struggled a little bit with my body and staying healthy throughout the year. So that was tough on me. And I feel like for a second there, I kind of lost, I lost a little bit of love for the game. And I feel like after taking the whole off season, I was like, I can get my body right. I'm not that old. Like I kept calling myself old. I was like, am I old? Like, is it time? But, um, I just kept reminding myself that I'm not old. I just need to take care of my body, get my body right. And then, um, I'll feel good on the field again. And I feel like my main thing this year is staying healthy and, you know, I feel like when I'm not fully healthy, I'm obviously not at my best. And when I'm not thinking about my body and my injuries that I'm playing freely and it's more fun. And I feel like the biggest thing for me is to have fun again playing. Um, It's hard when you're struggling with an injury that you're constantly thinking about and it's draining and it's not so much, it's not so much fun. It's kind of more like work. And um, I feel like the biggest thing for me is, you know, finding the joy in the game again and, you know, getting back to myself on the field and, you know, um, just competing. I feel like I, I lost a bit of edge to me last year, but, um, the first few weeks of preseason have, I feel great and I'm so happy I am back and stuff. So I, I feel like the biggest thing is staying healthy and being consistent. I like that for the personal goals and in terms of the red stars collectively, you know, the Red Stars have traditionally been a, a playoff contending team in years past. And now we're witnessing the league, uh, you know, in an expansion year, right? Not just introducing not just one, but but two teams. So in terms of the, the landscape changing as far as competition, how does having 12 teams maybe change up the potential chances of, of reaching a postseason again? Yeah, I feel like um, it's obviously great that we have 12 teams now. It's nice to have expansion. I feel... Um, It'll be interesting. I feel like this um, season will be a bit more competitive across the board. I feel like there was a lot of change in teams and players spread out on different teams and stuff. So I feel like it'll be only more competitive in every game we step onto the field. I feel like it's going to be a battle. Um, whereas maybe in past years, it was there were a few teams where I was like, oh, we got this for sure kind of thing. So I feel like every every game is going to be a battle. It's going to be tough. And um, I feel like even last year, it was pretty competitive across across the board. And it's just going to be another year like that. So I'm excited to see what um, this year brings. Obviously, we get to play in different stadiums and travel to different states. So I feel like that'll be also great and a new experience. But I think it'll be good. It's always fun to ask players about their teammates because you guys have a different perspective on each other than they have on themselves. And right now it's February, it's international game is happening. The She Believes Cup is being hosted by the United States women's national team. Uh, You have a number of teammates being called up to that squad, uh, but one that you play in very, very close proximity with on the pitch, Morgan Gattrall. She's a midfielder for Chicago. She's been in and out of the United States women's national team. um, And she was called in this year specifically for her performance at Chicago and in the midfield alongside you. Um, What is it like playing with Morgan Gattrall in the midfield? What kind of player is she? Wow. A loaded question, but for a good reason. Um, I feel like, so personally, I obviously, I was in the same class with her at UVA, played with her for so many years. And even though we're the same age and we're in the same class, I feel like I look up to Morgan as a player every day. I mean, that girl steps on the field and you just feel her presence at all times. I feel like last year, especially 
um, was by far the best I've seen her play in a while and credit to her because she, she believes in herself and that's what, and that's what we do need to do as players. And she, she knows she, she can be on the national team and she's honestly one of the best midfielders I've ever played with ever watched play. And just the way she sees the game, her vision on and off the ball, um, her technical ability, honestly, she, she's the full package for me. And I feel like I could go on forever, but um, I hope she's not watching this. <laughs> but um, I love playing with her. And honestly, she the the biggest thing about playing with Morgan that I love is that I feel so like comfortable next to her. I know that if I give the ball away, she's going to get right in there and tackle the ball for me, or she's going to work, try to get back for me or help me or whatever it is. And I feel like whenever I'm on the ball, she, I feel like we play well together and we know each other's movements. So anytime I'm looking, I know where she's going to be. And I feel like that just goes a long way, especially in our league um, when the speed of play is so quick. So for me, it's, it's obviously been nice so many years playing with her. Um, I watched her grown a lot, a lot as a player on and off the field. Um, I think for a little bit there, she did struggle also with some injuries, which held her back a bit, but when she's healthy, I think she's one of the best midfielders in the world. Um, so it's great having her here. Um, and last year that, that really showed, I feel like she kind of was the glue to our, our team, I'd say. And some people would only say the midfield, but I would say to our full team, um, she kind of connected the lines for us, um, and held the group together throughout the year. So yeah, love playing with her. She deserves to be there right now. I'm so excited to watch tonight. So, um, but yeah. I hope she does watch this because you gave her such high praise, right? Like she's going to be beaming with confidence ahead of like the national team games, Chicago. Everyone should watch this. Maybe they'll listen to me. (laughs) And not me just in the background, like, you're like, not excited to be like, yeah, like, I'm going. Oh man. Uh, you know, uh, Danny, I wanted to get your thoughts on something really quickly. Uh, you know, here at attacking third, we've, we've been celebrating uh, the CBA with the, the, it's historic significance, right. Coming in into play for, for the players, you know, you, you've been playing in the league since 2015. It's, it's rare to, to have this long of a career with maybe one specific club. So in light of this happening and in, in light of us still celebrating it, what's it mean to you personally to finally have a collective bargaining agreement in place? Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're so excited as players and I'm so excited. I feel like it it going on eight years here. I honestly didn't know that I would still be in the league. I feel like when I first started out as a rookie and seeing what I was making, I was like, okay, I'll give it, I'll give it a few years and then I'll just move on with life. And it was kind of sad because I was like, well, I don't know if I want to give up soccer that soon. And, um, but in my head, I was like, I got to be able to support myself and make a, a sufficient living. So when I was first starting out, I was like, okay, a couple of years, then I'll move on. But as obviously time went on and obviously now getting to where we are now with the CBA, it's, it's just a great thing for us. And I feel like we, especially as older players have put so much time and commitment into this league to finally have a CBA just means a lot. Um, and I feel like we're so excited about it and it's just a good feeling to, you know, feel that little bit of victory, especially with everything as we've been through as players in this league. So, um, we're all excited about it and we can't see, can't wait to see what comes. Yeah, we're excited about it too. We've been asking all the, the players that they've been coming to join us on these uh, preview type of interviews for preseason about it. So thanks for sharing that. 
something else that's been coming up in our uh, preseason interviews is the concept of like getting back into a routine and stuff like that. When it comes into to preseason, you've chatted a little bit about that at the top uh, of the hour. But as we close out our interviews, we like to maybe tap into that a little bit and ask a little bit of fun questions. So it's generally been a two parter on these player in, uh, interviews. Uh, it's a coffee related question. So primarily, A, are you a coffee drinker? And B, if so and or if not. What is sort of your your go-to beverage, whether it's like pre-training or post-training when you have to have that that quick go-to beverage? What's your order? Ooh. Okay. Go-to coffee. I love coffee. Obsessed with coffee. <laughs> I, I think I, I started for a while there last year drinking too much coffee. Um, and then I was like, I need to slow down. Like I don't need three coffees a day. But so I'd say morning coffee go-to order is cold brew with a splash of oat milk. Super, I don't want to say basic, but simple. Yeah. Just say simple. <laughs> basic. <laughs> but, um, and I'm like the type of person that's like, I don't care if it's snowing, if it's whatever, I'm getting that cold brew. <laughs> that's right. So that's just me. Um, and then, so I've tried to stay away from coffee. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.